So, I don't know who's up early this morning, but this morning in Horwich, the sun rose at 8.19. He was awake by then. Just about. <laughs> Won't be normally. It's only because I was speaking this morning. I, uh, <laughs> I was awake a little bit earlier. But yeah, The sun rose at 8.19, and later today it will set at just after 20 past four. So today we'll have eight hours and two minutes of daylight. Next week, we're heading up to Scotland and the Scottish Highlands. And in Scotland, up in the Highlands, the sun apparently will rise at 8.39 and set at 4.08. It's quite a big difference, isn't it? It only gets seven and a half hours of daylight up there. But whichever way you look at it, there's, there's a lot of darkness around, isn't there? The days are quite short, the daylight, and then the nights are long. A, a lot of darkness. And the sun, when it does come out, it's quite weak, isn't it? Not like in the summer where it's high ahead and you feel the heat of the sun. It's quite a glancing sort of a weak sunlight. And we can crave, can't we, at this time of year for the spring to come and for feeling the warmth of the sun on your back and things like that. And in the Bible, and what I want to talk to you about this morning, there's lots of references to darkness and to Jesus being the light of the world. So I thought we'd have a look at some of that today. But let's start by thinking about what the Bible means by darkness, because it can mean many things. This works. So the first one, it can mean death. So in Psalm 23, it talks about walking through the darkest valley, or the valley of the shadow of death, something that will come to all of us, and something that obviously is a, a dark time, or it could be. Uh, as we'll come on to discuss later, as we go through that shadow of death. It can mean, here it comes up, evil. So it can refer to the devil and his dark powers and the, the dominion that he holds over this world. That can be the darkness. It can refer to being lost. When we're in the dark, if we haven't got a torch or any other light, we just stumble around in the darkness. We don't know which way to turn, which way to go. We don't know where our lives are heading. We lack any purpose. It can refer to being afraid. In many ways, there's nothing worse is there than the fear that we can feel at times. And when we feel that fear, we can be in a really, a really dark place. Anxiety can grip hold of us in such a powerful way. It can refer to our circumstances all the difficult things that life throws at us when we're grieving, when we're just sick, when we're struggling with many things, we can feel quite dark. Our world, as I just prayed, can feel like a dark place when we look at what's going on. You only have to turn the news on and you see most, I mean 90%, even more of what seems to be in the news is all about things that are dark, wars, famines, disasters, extreme poverty, a long list of things where we see a lot of darkness in, in the world. And then inside of us, we talk about a person's dark side, about a place where secret sins and temptations can lurk, um, when we know we're just not right inside and we have this darkness within us as well. So unsurprisingly, when I talk about darkness, I've probably depressed us all now, but it's a pretty, a pretty gloomy picture, isn't it? Uh, we have the spiritual darkness, the worldly darkness, and the personal darkness that we can experience. But when we think about the world in that way, 
then the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ just becomes more than just good news, doesn't it? It becomes great news, the greatest news ever, because Jesus, we know, pours his light into that darkness. So just going to go through some verses in the Bible, because there's lots of verses in the Bible about light and darkness. Just a few out of John's Gospel, because John and his Gospel does talk a a lot about this uh, representation of the light and and the darkness. So in John chapter 1 verse 5, it says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Further on in John chapter 8 verse 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So Jesus says directly to us, I am the light of the world, and that those who follow him will not stay in darkness. Similarly, in John chapter 12, he says, I have come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. And in Colossians, like I said, there's loads of verses I could have chosen, but I like this one in Colossians uh, chapter 1, verses 12 to 15. Always thanking the Father, he has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created, and is supreme over all creation. So it's all that Jesus is the light of the world, and light, light really means God, and goodness, and holiness, and purity, and Jesus is all of those things as he came into the world. So that verse in Colossians tells us that we're freed from the kingdom of darkness, this earth, and as we follow him, we come into the kingdom of the Son of God, of Jesus. And recently, I just want to go through this with you, I read a brilliant description of the entire history of humankind, sort of told in terms of different types of light. So from creation, right at the beginning, to the end of the Old Testament, we can think of that as moonlight. So we know that the moon doesn't have its own light. All it's doing is reflecting the light of the sun. And the analogy here is that in the Old Testament days, obviously Jesus wasn't directly in the world, but everything in the Old Testament was pointing towards Jesus. It was reflecting what was to come. So the laws in the Old Testament desperately told of the need for a saviour and the need for Jesus, all the prophecies told of the coming of Jesus. So the Old Testament is this period that we could think of as as moonlight. Then, of course, as we go into the New Testament, we get the three years of Jesus' public ministry, and that can be described as floodlight. So as we've just read, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And when he said that, the feast around that time that that they would have said those words was the Feast of Tabernacles, which is also known as the Feast of Light. And the temple that he would have just come from would have been shrouded in light. So you can sort of picture this temple. Everybody would have gone like everyone goes to Christmas lights now to have a look at this. And obviously it wouldn't have been electric lights, but it would have had big fires and everything would have been lit up so brightly. And as the light perhaps went out and he was walking back from the temple, that's when Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me won't live in darkness, but will have the light of life. 
And in his life, wherever Jesus went, the light shone brightly. So we'll look at what Jesus did. He revealed the glory of God. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. So he just poured his light wherever he went into the world. But then, of course, we know what happened. Men rejected Jesus and he was crucified. And at the point that he was crucified, again, this symbolism that the world at the point that he was crucified was plunged into darkness. Everything went dark. It was midday. Think about when Jesus was born. And at the point that he was born, it was the middle of the night and it was the bright light shining in the sky. So we have this representation of Jesus as the light of the world all the way through. And of course, after he was crucified, this story doesn't end there. We know that he was, he was risen again and now he's at the right hand of the Father in heaven. In John chapter 5, Jesus said, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And now he's in heaven. So where is the light in the world today? So in this next era, after Jesus' death, we can think of it as being in a period of starlight. So where is the light of Jesus today? Well, it's in you, it's in me. We're called to be the light of the world in these days. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said to his disciples, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So as Christian believers, we're told that we are the light of the world. We're called to shine brightly with his love, uh, called to shine into wherever God puts us in a world. Whatever people God puts us in front of, we've got to let his light shine through us. And that can sound a little bit like we need to try harder or we need to be better. It's not like that. What we've got to make sure we do is let the Lord Jesus into our lives, let him take control of our lives and let his light genuinely shine through. Let it not be the weak reflection of goodness that we could try and do in our own strength. So we are called to be that light of the world. So we have this picture of the Old Testament as moonlight, the years when Jesus was alive as floodlights, and the last 2,000 years as starlight. But one day there'll be a day when we see the full light of the sun and we'll be, and we can refer to that period as sunlight. So when Jesus comes back, uh, the world will be flooded with light. We're told that the dead will be raised, all darkness will go away, and we'll enjoy this inheritance that belongs to all those who believe in him of a new heaven and earth. And in Revelation, it has this great picture that we don't need a lamp, we don't even need the sun to provide light, because God will be the light that we need, and we'll be with him in heaven. So this wonderful picture of these four sort of periods of light. But we think about, well, how does that affect us today? Well, let's look at the encouragement that we get from this. So I think I depressed you all with this story of darkness at the beginning. I'll now turn it all on its head and talk about how all of that goes away. But then I'll also have a look at a warning. So starting with the encouragements. I think the other thing to say, actually, is that it's worth remembering that even when our faith is weak and that light might not be burning brightly, if you're in darkness, you only need a little light to start to see the way. 
So just holding on to Jesus when our faith might feel weak and just seeing the direction that he wants to take us is enough to get us, get us on, that, on that right path. But looking at, like I said, what I said before about darkness and how Jesus has taken that away. So first of all, death. Well, we know that death has been defeated. So by the cross, by Jesus' resurrection, instead of death, we can have life and an eternal life living with him. In the same way, the cross, so important to us, so central to everything, but evil has been defeated. We can turn to Jesus. Instead of living in darkness, we have a choice. We can live in the light. We can live in a life of goodness. We're no longer lost, but God gives us that purpose, that great purpose in our lives. He guides us. He tells us every step of the way. If we look to him and we listen to him, we're no longer lost. What we're found, we're found in him. We don't need to be afraid anymore. We can put our trust in Jesus. It's not easy, and we need our faith to be strengthened. But a lot of that fear can go away because we have this great one who promises so much to us. And if we follow and trust in him, that fear can go away. Our circumstances, we know that life is still difficult. We know that we still have many problems and challenges to overcome. But we also know that we have the one who's a great comforter, the one who gives us strength to get through all of those circumstances in life. The world, again, we know that the world is still a dark place. Many, most people, haven't turned to Jesus. So there aren't as many people reflecting his light in the world as what there should be. We have a job, don't we, to talk to other people, to try and bring other people into the light and and to know Jesus. But we're also given the promise, aren't we, that whilst this world might be dark, when we go into that floodlight era, into the sunlight era, rather, then there'll be this time when we have a new heaven and earth and all of the darkness has gone away forever. So as painful as it might seem living in this dark world, at times we have got that promise of of better times to come. Then the darkness inside us. Of course, when we turn to Jesus, one of the things we do is we repent and we we ask him to change us. We ask the Holy Spirit to come into our lives and he can clean up that darkness within us. He can take that darkness away and replace it with a, with a joyous light. So our job is simply to let the one who gives light into our lives, to learn to love him more, to trust him, to obey him, obey his calling, and he's the one who can take all of that darkness away and replace it with his light. Now just briefly a warning, because some of that isn't easy. And in John Chapter 3, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and he says, Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. So when the light comes into us, we see the darkness more inside us initially. We, we see those dark places, things that we didn't even know were sins, we didn't even know were bad, suddenly become very obvious to us. And at that point, some people can say, I don't want this light. That's what Jesus is saying here. I'd rather stay in the darkness because I can't stand the thought of having to give things up to change my life. Uh, I can't stand the, the guilt that I feel from all of these sins. So we have a choice to make. And if we're talking to other people, they have a choice to make. 
continue living in darkness or choose to live in the light. And giving up some of those things can be difficult, but living in the light is just so much better. It is just, I mean, the two things aren't comparable. Who would want to live in darkness? And Jesus offers us that light. So we need to make sure that we hold on to the light and we grasp it and we live our life in that way. So just summing up, our lives, like the days at the moment, may seem like they have lots of darkness, but we've got the perfect remedy, the perfect antidote to that darkness, because we know the one who is the light of the world. So just draw close to him, never let him become so distant that he's like a flicker. You know, there's a light there, but it's, it's a long way away and I can't really see this light. You've got, we've got to let the Lord in and let him fill our light with that abundant life, light of life. So thank Jesus for that and for his many blessings. Amen. Shall we just pray? Dear Father, we thank you for Jesus, the light of our world. We thank you that those of us who believe in him no longer need to live in the darkness, but instead live in the light of life. Keep us close to you, Lord, so that your light won't become that distant flicker to us, but instead be a burning light that causes all fear to subside, all sin and temptation to be defeated, and for love, joy, peace to reign in our hearts. Amen. Okay, now we're going to sing a song all about light and about Jesus' light shining within us. Lord, the